Hello and welcome to Disseminate, the computer science research podcast. I'm your host, Jack Wardby. Today we have another instalment from OSDI 2022, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Konstantinos Kalles, who will be talking about his paper, Practically Correct Just-In-Time Shell Script Parallelization. Konstantinos is a PhD student at the University of Pennsylvania, and he is on the Technical Steering Committee of PASH, which we'll be learning more about today. Um, and his research interests lie in the intersection of programming languages, distributed systems, and software verification. Konstantinos, welcome to the show. Hi, Jack. Uh, I'm glad to be here, yeah. It's great to have you. So let's let's dive straight in. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe how you became interested at researching at the intersection of these three areas? Right. So, yeah, I guess my... My background, or at least my undergraduate, I, I worked a lot on compilers. And uh, I particularly worked uh, on a compiler for the language Erlang. Uh, my advisor at the time was um, one of the, Kostis Alonas, was one of the um, developers of the ahead of time compiler for Erlang. And I worked on a just in time compiler for it. Um, and yeah, Erlang really uh, um, instilled in me like a, a uh, some interest and, uh, and, and love for, for distributed systems uh, because of how, how nice and clean it makes it to develop uh, such systems. Yeah, and then during my PhD, I, I, I slightly uh, moved towards uh, verification and more theoretical programming languages. But I'm now coming back uh, home to, to, the systems, the, um, uh, to the systems side. And I think that's where I, I probably lie, like uh, in, in, in the system side, but with programming language uh, perspective and principles guiding um, uh, what I'm doing, yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, you can kind of see you kind of come full circle almost there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 that's nice. So um, the, the paper, the style of the show today is, is all about the shell script compiler uh, Pash JIT. So maybe you can give us an elevator pitch for this work. And also, obviously, this is part of a, a, like a larger part of work as well. So maybe you can give us an intro to the whole project as well. That's, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I would. Yeah, I would probably give you a, a little bit of the whole work because sure. um, this paper is only part of of, uh, of this whole pass uh, paralyzing compiler for the shell. So I guess the the pitch is that uh, shell scripts are are ubiquitous. I guess uh, and yeah, something that I, I did find very interesting recently uh, that I saw is that on the GitHub GitHub yearly survey. Uh, the shell is the eighth most popular language uh, on the, across GitHub. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that just shows, and it has been consistently on the top 10 for, for many years now. And I guess, uh, yeah, uh, f since its inception, I guess. But so it's, it's extremely ubiquitous, but there is no actual, most scripts are, are sequential by default. You get this pipeline parallelism by, by writing pipelines, but, but that's it. And essentially what we do is, is provide parallelism for the shell. But um, this was hard to do before, and this is because of the main three challenges, uh, we think at least, uh, of the shell and three of its characteristics that make it very hard to, to develop uh, principled solutions on top of it. So these three issues are, are first of all, shell scripts um, um, allow for um, cell, cell programs and cell scripts uh, compose arbitrary black box commands, um, like uh, grep, sort, uh, arbitrary commands. And all of these are written in different languages. Essentially, what you have in your system is just a binary of the command, uh, often. And that means it's, it's extremely hard to make any form of uh, uh, static analysis on these commands and then um, leave these results of this analysis to your whole script. 
So that, that's one very, very hard problem that makes the cell extremely hard to deal with and develop uh, tools for. Another thing is that its semantics is extremely complex. Uh, like um, the, the, the POSIX specification, the POSIX cell specification is, I think, multiple hundred, uh, like many, many hundred pages of English um, that is also underspecified in many places and so on. So in the end, what we end up with is like um, more than 20, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a low estimate of, of cell implementation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's right. Yeah. So so we end up with like um, many, yeah, a, a lot of cell implementations, and none of them uh, can be can be you know all of them diverge in different in different uh, parts of the spec. And so if if one wants to develop some new research and they develop a new cell. To, to carry their research with, like a paralyzing cell, for example, if we develop the paralyzing cell, that would diverge from all other cells too, making it extremely hard for, for someone to actually use it because then they would have to break their scripts to adopt our, our research. And the final thing is that the cell is extremely dynamic as a language. So you have these um, behaviors like a simple string can contain a command substitution. So the result, the, the, the value of a string could depend on the, the files in your directory in a specific indeterminate directory in your system. So there is no way you can actually predict or, or you know, analyze statically a shell script and be able to have any form of precision with this analysis. So, so these, three, these three characteristics of the shell make it extremely hard, in our opinion, to develop any, any kind of solution on it. And that's, that's what we have essentially covered with our research until now. So, so with respect to the commands, we, we came up with a command specification framework that uh, we use to decouple essentially the analysis the process and um, uh, allow, allow for, for the development of, of tools that know something about the behaviors of the commands through these specifications. And then it's the job of the command developer or some expert to write the specification for the command and make sure that it's correct with respect to the command implementation. And so this gives us, uh, this, this resolves the first issue, or at least makes a dent towards solving it. Then with respect to the semantics, uh, we, we built our whole infrastructure as a shell-to-shell -shell transformation. So essentially, uh, we do not implement the shell. We just produce a parallel shell script, uh, which we then ra run with the original interpreter, um, allowing us to get extremely high compliance uh, with an existing interpreter. In our work, that is Bash. But yeah, uh, translating the original script to a new, better version of itself and running it on the original interpreter allows us to get um, very high compliance. And finally, for the dynamic aspect, uh, we developed a just-in-time um, compilation infrastructure. Uh, essentially, it's not, this is not like a traditional just-in-time compilers, but uh, it's uh, more like a very tight orchestration framework that integrates with the cell and essentially reads a little bit of the input script and then decides at runtime uh, whether it should give that script to the cell to execute or rather transform it to a better version of itself and then give it to the cell. So this very tight integration and uh, incremental, let's say, execution of the script uh, allows us to get uh, compilation at the right time when all of the dynamic things have been resolved. So, so when we see a string that, that contains an LS inside the command substitution and an LS, we can actually ask the cell, the, the interpreter, please expand this using the just-in-time infrastructure, and then say, okay, can we now do something about this, this whole region of the script that we have expanded and we know what uh, uh, it's supposed to do? I guess that's, uh, that's a very long elevator pitch, but... Uh, ah, yeah. no, that's, that's, that's yeah. great. 
That's great. So obviously we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna focus on the on the JIT stuff today. But there are there any like where's where's a good reference to go and check out the obviously the prior work on this? What would you direct the listener to? Is I'm guessing you've got you've got plenty of papers on this, so what would be the, the best place to start looking? I, I think for the for the commands and the and the self-shell compilation like um uh, infrastructure, the the, the the foundation of it, uh, our Euros twenty twenty one paper uh, that's called Pass Light Touch uh, Data parallel, I think, for uh, cell parallelization should should uh, cell combination or something should should be yeah a good starting point. Great stuff. We'll link that in the show notes as well, so the the interested listener can go and, go and follow up and look at that. So let's talk more about um, about past JIT then. So you sort of outlined sort of more, like four main sort of areas, four four main features to to the to the compiler. Can let's go through them one at a time and we'll we'll dig into each one. You can tell us what it is, like what it's set there, how it works and kind of what uh, problem it's solving. So you start like one of the sections is about dynamic interposition. So what what is this? Why do we need this and what's the problem it's solving? That's right. Okay. So so the dynamic interposition is essentially the solution uh, that that deals with the dynamic issues, and it's the it's this integration part that I told you that I talked about in the beginning. So essentially, how we achieve that is that we we have a preprocessor of the script that um, goes and uh, um, instruments the script at multiple places with calls to our uh, just-in-time compilation engine, uh, let's say, um, and, uh, and then at runtime. When this is called, the, script, the actual script is called, uh, at, at various places we enter the JIT engine uh, loop. And that's essentially the, the integration part that I talked about um, uh, in the beginning. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so when it goes through and like, instruments the, 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 the script, what is it looking for to like instrument? Like what areas are kind of, oh, yeah, this we can instrument this. So when, the, when, when it comes through, we can, we can parallelize this area. What are the sort of hooks you hook into that? That's, that's a good question. So, so we we find areas where that we call in the paper data flow regions, and these are areas that um, look like they could benefit from parallelization. And uh, intuitively, what they are is uh, compositions of commands uh, with uh, pipelines and the background operator, uh, the ambersand in the cell. So, so these are these are regions of the script that are supposed to execute. Um, uh, they are supposed to execute multiple commands concurrently. And we and we each of these regions before it, we essentially uh, replace essentially these regions with calls to this just-in-time engine. Do the annotations always work, or is there a chance where you kind of you get some sort of false positive with the annotation, or is it always going to work, or like is there? I guess maybe we can touch on that later when we do the evaluation, maybe, or we talk about that. But is is there something where it's not hundred percent correct all the time? That, that, that's that's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it could not be correct. So the processing is essentially just an optimistic. Uh, okay, let's, let's, I see. Yeah. Let's replace let's replace all of these things with a call to the just in time, and then and then uh, at runtime, what happens is that we actually go and check uh, whether we we know enough things about this this uh, this region and whether it is actually paralyzable. And and sometimes it's it's likely that it's not the case. If this if this region contains, for example, uh, an RM command deleting deleting some file, we we don't want to touch it. So what we do is fall back at runtime to the original um, region. So essentially, the preprocessing just needs to be optimistic, and it it uh, it over approximates the places where we could get parallelization, and just make sure that uh, it covers as many of them. And then at runtime, we make a sound decision of whether we can actually um, uh, parallelize the, the region. Okay, cool, nice. So let's talk a little bit more about the G engine then. So 
obviously this is a kind of I guess is one of the main components of this whole thing. So let's go into that. Can you tell me how that's how that sort of looks and what the structure looks like and how it works? Right. So so I guess the detention is uh, at its core is uh, first of all it's a cell script. At its core, what it does is that it it hides from the perspective of the user uh, and the cell uh, the fact that we are now entering in a compilation in investigation mode. So what it does is it saves the state of the cell uh, at that point, and uh, that includes all of the configuration that the user, uh, the ways the user could have configured the cell, like uh, using the dash E flag, which exits the cell on an error, um, or the dash V flag, uh, which uh, gives you verbose output. And uh, so, so saves all, all that to be able to revert it later, and then sets the cell state to an, an internal, pass internal state that is very hidden in a way. It doesn't uh, expose any information to, to the cell and the user, and then uh, asks the compiler whether that particular region uh, that was there at the time can be parallelized or not. And uh, the compiler responds something, um, yes or no, and then uh, uh, the JIT engine restores the state of the cell, the original one, and then uh, executes either the optimized parallel or the uh, original fragment. Okay, nice. So, so there's a, in in the case where we can actually we say okay we can actually parallelize this the 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 parallelizing the parallelizing compilation server kicks in here right so at this point how does how does the how does this work then so once it works out yeah this can be actually optimized how does it go about doing this right so that, that's the part of the the compiler so so what the compiler does uh, it has a whole pipeline of things that it does and and the first thing that it does is it uh, it asks the interpreter to expand all of the strings in in that region, uh, uh, all of the strings that could contain arbitrary command substitutions, whatever. And this could be even a whole. There could be even a whole command, a whole program uh, inside the strings. And uh, it does that by simply asking them. Okay, well, I, I, I'm actually lying. So so uh, the original the original implementation was that it was asking the interpreter to do it for it for it, but that ended up being very. Uh, uh, very slow. So what we end up doing is implementing our own expansion on top of it and covering uh, a big bu- bu- um, like a percentage of, of all the cases, the common, the common and safe expansion cases, uh, and doing that in, in, in our internal Python library. Uh, but but yeah, there is a, you, you can think of it. This would be equivalent to just asking the interpreter to to do it for us the expansion because uh, essentially at that point we have all the information we need. We can reflect on the file system execute a command, do whatever we want. So after expanding the strings, we have a, a fully expanded um, uh, uh, fragment of the script, uh, which could be a pipeline. Let, let's say it's a pipeline. Um, and then what, what, uh, what Pasta is to do is uh, for each command in this pipeline, uh, it, um, uh, it tries to find the command specification and uh, try to see whether, first of all, whether we have it, this command specification, because we might not. Uh, and if it hasn't, it tries to, to transform this command to a data flow node representation. And um, the commands that we can do that for are the commands that uh, are what we call pure in the paper. And uh, that means that um, they only interact with the environment by reading from a well-defined set of input files and writing to a well-defined uh, output, a set of output files. Um, and, and so, and so that, that a command that where we know the inputs and outputs, we can turn it into the data flow node with well-defined inputs and outputs. And then it does this for every command in the script, and if all of them succeed, uh, we have 
all of these commands that can be composed in a big data flow graph. Uh, at any point, uh, by the way, until here, if something fails, if some specification is not found, uh, if, some, uh, if something goes wrong, the compiler simply uh, uh, gives up, uh, falls back, and then the original uh, fragment is executed. So, so all of these processes um, does not need to be complete in a way. Uh, it works only if we have the specifications and so on. Yeah, so, so once we have the data flow graph, this is a very clean abstraction. Um, and we have uh, uh, developed like um, uh, um, proven, provably correct transformations on top of this uh, data flow graph that we then apply and transform it to a, to a parallel data flow graph. Um, essentially, the transformations that we do are all divide and conquer, simply divide and conquer parallelism. So um, if a command uh, processes its different input lines uh, independently, uh, then we can simply parallelize this command uh, and give a subset of the lines uh, to each of the parallel instances and then concatenate the results. Um, so that's, that's the main idea of how we get parallelization in the data flow graph. Uh, and then we simply have a backwards uh, pass that takes the flow graph and tra transforms, it, uh, transforms it back to a, a parallel shell script by instantiating all of these nodes in the, in the parallel data flow graph to uh, back to shell commands. That's really interesting. So, I mean, in the in the general case, do you find that it that I mean, obviously, again, we'll we'll probably touch on this more when we talk about the evaluation. How likely is it that I'm not just going to end up with big one long dependency chain of you've got to do X, Y, and Z? There's no actual opportunity for parallelism there. There is like a dependency chain that you just you can't move things around. Is is it quite like unlikely that it happens, or is it pretty common that you can actually do things smarter? Right, right. So, so, so I think one thing that that um, um, so we do find and and discover dependencies too, but I have mm. not talked about this yet. So, so, so that's that's later in the paper. So the parallelism I'm talking about here does not talk about dependencies. Even if okay. you have a single command, let's say you have a sort, right? Somewhere yeah. in your script, you call a sort, and uh, it writes to uh, to a file, and the next command in the sequence reads from that file. So these are dependent clearly. Um, but even this sort on its own, it can be trans translated to a data flow graph. Okay, so we're within one thing. Oh, okay, right now yeah. I see. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. split it up into multiple sorts that then merge their output with sort dash m. So, so essentially, for many commands, we have this kind of aggregation that we can do after that uh, and parallelization. So even at a single command level, uh, and essentially, if you had a sort followed in a pipeline by another command. Uh, then we would parallelize the sort and then parallelize the next one and also make sure that uh, the combinations between all of these parallel versions, parallel instances are uh, are efficient in a way. And uh, so we get a pipeline and, and the data parallelism. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So I was getting ahead of myself there. <laughs> uh, cool. This is a common, this is a common I think, um, uh, misunderstanding about, the, about, about this work. And I think everyone in the beginning assumes that the main thing we do is figure out these dependencies but yeah, yeah. we actually do more and, and the original work does does this data parallelism uh, yeah yeah so i guess where does where does the commutativity awareness fit into this then so this is are we talking here within like a, like an operation like a sort or is this again like sort of the level up so so that's totally right. it's 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 within a command so within a command so, okay yeah. yeah yeah that's right so so before in in our pri in our first paper the past paper we uh, we came up with transformations that do not require commutativity um and these are pretty good they get you they get you really far 
but some commands actually you can do better uh, with commutativity. And these are commands that either process each line of their inputs independently, like grep. For example, with grep, um, you search for a pattern in each of the, the lines independently. So as long as you make sure to reorder the lines after the parallel grabs correctly, uh, you get the same result. Um, so, so we call this command stateless uh, in the paper because they don't require any state across lines. So with stateless commands and uh, and commutative commands like sort, because sort all of its inputs, it doesn't matter the order with which the lines arrive. Um, in the end, the, the result will be the same. Uh, we can actually do better than um, than what we than just a transformation to have in the original pass. And essentially, the, the, doing better means uh, doing a round-robin um, uh, passing of lines, which allows us to, to have better, finer-grained parallelism. Because in the past, in the original pass, we just split the, the original the input file in big chunks and then gave each chunk to its parallel version. But that requires running through the file once first, right? So, so you pay the cost of running once through, through the file, um, and then you can split it. But with a round robin, you can pass 10, 10 lines to its parallel instance in a round robin fashion and uh, essentially stream it towards the towards the downstream uh, parallel instances. So, I mean, I guess kind of how did you go about implementing this then? So was it a was it pretty straightforward? So you said it's obviously it's, it's a shell script itself. Was it was it a big implementation effort or was it? Yeah, I guess talk us through how that how that went. It, 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 so the implementation is uh, all of the compilation stuff is, is in Python, uh, um, just for simplicity, I guess. Uh, and uh, and a lot of the glue is in, in the shell because we need to have this tight integration with, with the shell to do a lot of things. Uh, um, we cannot avoid it essentially being in the shell uh, for for a big part of the time. Yeah, I guess I guess the effort there is not. Um, um, I guess there is a lot of code in the compiler as a part. And, and there is not a lot of code in the shell, in the shell part of the implementation. But coming up with this code was uh, uh, was a very very long process, uh, because um, yeah, I think we'll talk about this uh, in the evaluation, I guess, if, if we go through it. But uh, yeah, we 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 made sure that that our our tool pass uh, passes the whole uh, POSIX shell uh, test suite, uh, which is more than 20, 29,000 lines of code. And so, uh, yeah, uh, this took me about a year of oh, wow. um, of uh, engineering, like you know, and figuring out why is this test failing. Um, uh, all of the tests were big, first of all, and yeah, it, it was it was a very, very, very long process to actually <laughs> achieve this compliance. But uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. I just wanted to ask you a question real quick about the, you know, when you said that the commutativity awareness in it, like. How did you decide which things commute or not? Was it kind of obvious or was it like a trial and error sort of process or did you sit down and sort of like prove that oh, these the two things definitely commute? So we did not prove uh, anything, um, but but we, we did a, a thorough, if you can say that, analysis of, of a lot of commands that, that we found out there and uh, just added the commutativity field in their specification. That, that's what that, that's what it took to annotate them essentially, and yeah, we went through a, a bunch of commands and uh, did our best to 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 uh, yeah to decide if they are commutative or not. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, in our evaluation, we we do a lot to check for correctness, and uh, we we run we run uh, on on, on a, a very big inputs, uh, a lot of scripts, and all of them give equivalent outputs to Bash. 
but of course, of course, that's not um, the proof. So our hope is, is uh, actually next. Yeah, we have some next steps uh, with respect to checking the specification correctness. But um, yeah, experimentally yeah. proven. Then shall we say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Practically correct. That's practically what correct. There we go. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Um, great. So, so let, let's talk about the the evaluation then. So it sounds like it was a very very extensive evaluation, but. Can we let's take it back a step and talk about what questions you were trying to answer and what that sort of experimental setup looked like and what benchmarks you ran in addition to the to the POSIX test suite? Right. So I guess we had two main questions to that we want to answer. The first is correctness. Uh, uh, and I will explain um, maybe later what exactly that means because um, when we talk about um, about about correctness. Actually, actually we, can, we, can, we can talk about correctness maybe completely first and then go to performance. But the two questions are correctness and performance, and performance has sub-questions. But with respect to correctness, what we wanted to show and, and uh, evaluate, I guess, is um, whether BASH on top of BASH, it's very hard to d differentiate the two uh, uh, with the sound only, but BASH with a P, our two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether, whether it um, uh, it is... It, it, um, it has the same exact behavior with Bash, the, the cell interpreter, uh, in as many POSIX uh, cell tests as possible. So, so we don't want to pass uh, all, all the tests, but we rather want to pass and fail exactly the ones that Bash does too, uh, because because even Bash doesn't pass all of them. Um, okay. So yeah, out of the 400 tests, um, uh, uh, yeah, we I think there are 400 something all the tests that, that were applicable in our case. Uh, Bash uh, versus Bash, they only diverge in two tests, and and the divergence is actually not even um, it's, it's it's actually distinguishable, and it's only so the divergence is that both fail, but the error code of Bash is one, and the error code of, of Bash is 127. And okay, <laughs> there, there, there's a very there's a very little um, uh, like um, yeah, it's a very weird um, the reason why this is happening. But it has to do with the way we are calling, calling bus. Um, uh, we have to call it in a particular way uh, using the dash c uh, flag uh, to set to set its name. Um, that, that, that's a very 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 <laughs> low level detail. But essentially, uh, th this is what bus gives us. This is the error code it gives us 127, and uh, and therefore it diverges with with the original way of invoking bus. And we haven't found any way to actually. Um, resolve this. Um, uh, we have also contacted the, like the bus developers, and they, they do not intend to to, to 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 change that at any point. So we're kind of stuck with this little divergence. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, practically, uh, uh, it's like uh, it's virtually indistinguishable, I guess, uh, from, yeah. from bus. Other than that, yeah, um, yeah. And I guess we also run we also run uh, um, uh, on about 80, 80 scripts. That are the ones that we used in our performance uh, evaluation too. We run we run them on, on multiple um, gigabytes of input, and uh, all of the output is the same with Bash. So so that uh, that's also another like um, boost uh, to our confidence that Bash uh, 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 is correct. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I mean, I'm just kind of looking through in the paper now that the the range mm -hmm. of where these scripts came from. So it's a, there's a wide wide range of <clears throat> of different sort of domains they come from. Was there any reason? Why you settled on these specific um, benchmark sets, or 
was it a case of these are the ones that kind of everyone uses or what was the so rationale actually, behind it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. So there's not a lot of research uh, on, on uh, uh, the cell, like um, especially performance uh, and the performance of the cell uh, before our work. So in the original paper, we, we found a lot of pipelines and that's what we used uh, for our original uh, paper because we mostly dealt with pipelines at the time. And many of those come from GitHub uh, and other real sources uh, and their pipeline scripts that we found essentially in the wild uh, that do some non, um, non-negligible data processing. I guess that was the, the main way of choosing them because if, if they don't do any data processing, then we wouldn't be able to paralyze anything <laughs> and get any, yeah, it, it wouldn't make uh, uh, sense. And I guess the most interesting out of those, I think, the pipeline ones is uh, the COVID MTS uh, benchmark, benchmark set. So that one, uh, um, a professor from, from a Greek uh, university uh, called Diomedes Pinellis actually wrote his scripts uh, during the pandemic uh, uh, to help a journalist um, uh, measure whether buses uh, in Athens were actually uh, increased frequencies, bec- bec- uh, whether frequency of the buses were increased, because that's what the go- Greek government said. So that, that professor wrote his scripts and actually gathered, downloaded a, a bunch of like telemetry data from buses and processed it with his scripts um, to see if the frequencies of the buses in Athens uh, were increased during COVID, uh, which was what oh, the really? government claimed. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. So, so the government was claiming that oh, we have more, we had more buses because that, that was what was the reason for having more buses? Was to, to, it so that, so that people are they're less crowded, I guess. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. 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 What yeah, was yeah. the conclusion? Turned that, were, yeah, no, it turned out not that much. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, but, uh, yeah, this script was, I mean, we, we really, uh, we got it, uh, we were very happy when we found it because, uh, um, uh, I mean, we were asking around, do you have cell scripts that do data processing, you know? And this professor came in and, and we were like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. That's a great find, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk performance anyway. So, um, I guess give us some numbers. Um, how well does it perform? Right. So, so let's see. Yeah. First of all, um, yeah, we run about 20, uh, 80, 80 cell scripts, uh, as I said. And uh, I guess the, the main uh, conclusion uh, from, from uh, our performance benchmarks is that uh, the just-in-time version of PASH um, is always faster than the ahead-of-time version of PASH. Uh, it's almost always faster than BASH, the sequential version. Uh, and uh, uh, with respect to the the, the ahead of time original pass, it also extends um, uh, benefits to many many scripts that, that the original could not handle. Uh, so actually, any complex script that contains a complex control flow, like if analysis or for loops or dynamic behavior, uh, without the just time compiler, you cannot you cannot handle it because you cannot statically determine what will actually happen and how will these variables and these strings expand at runtime. So I think some, some numbers are um, the average speed up um, of passes it on all of those scripts is uh, about 5.86. Uh, that's on a 64-core core machine that, uh, that we used. And uh, the pass ahead of time uh, is about uh, 2.9. And that mm-hmm. was only on the scripts that it could actually handle. We didn't even measure the rest, which, which doesn't even apply. Yeah. Um, and the, the, only, the only few scripts where we are slower than the sequential one are ones that uh, perform tiny computations. So um, uh, there was there was one script that just uh, essentially keeps the first line of its input, um, 
which which took eight milliseconds for bash to, to, to execute it but for past it took about one second because of all the initialization that we need to do um and, and so on so uh, so this is i think the, the only scripts that we were we were slower than the sequential are ones that do negligible computation and so we pay the constant overheads up front um, and that's that's uh, where the slogan comes from. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because I was kind of going to ask, like, leading into the next question of kind of what the limitations are when are situations when like performance is suboptimal. Um, right. So, but like, kind of, what are the characteristics of the scripts where it, I mean, other than it being like a really tiny computation, is there any sort of other characteristics that would maybe mean that Bash would be the right option to go with Oral? Yeah. Right. I, I think that if you have um, uh, any script that uh, has tiny computation or very, very tight um, uh, loops with not a lot of computation. So uh, that would take, that would take um, uh, uh, there you would get a benefit by, you wouldn't get a lot of benefits by using uh, pass. Uh, I guess also if, if you do not have any specification for any command in your script, then pass it also cannot do anything for it. Um, so yeah, I guess a, a main assumption behind all of this work is that you have some specifications for a few commands in your script, or you use some standard commands. We have written about, I think, more than 70, some, something in that range, 70, 80 specifications for commands. Uh, and we cover a big bunch of the standard ones, but if, if, you, if you use some completely th third-party custom command and you don't have the specification pass, it's going to just, um, yeah. Yeah, you're on your own there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> cool. um, so, so, yeah, yeah. Continue. Continue. Yeah. We, we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. The, we did a little. Um, we really tried to 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 reduce, I guess, the um, the overhead of uh, of our JIT engine and this uh, in and out essentially calls between the JIT engine uh, and and we have also a small part in the uh, evaluation of the paper that we saw that um, and the best we could get in the end uh, is uh, I think about fifty milliseconds per entrance to the just-in-time engine. So that, that's the lowest we can get. Uh, um, in the end, we were happy with this, but, but, but I think that's one place where, where one could potentially seek for, for an improvement to make this tool um, actually having no negative impact if you ever want to use it. Yeah, because, um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess um, there, is, there is no trade-off that, that uh, would need to be done there to achieve very, very, very low uh, latency. Which is that um, uh, you would probably need to, to to integrate into an original interpreter, so modify Bash itself to right, try okay. yeah. engine. So, so because we wanted to avoid that and essentially have this loose coupling with an existing interpreter, um, we we ended up with um, and having this shell-to-shell -shell compiler infrastructure. We ended up um, uh, th that's the lowest we could get with respect to latency. Yeah. yeah, in that in that sort of setup, there's always going to be so more that you're never going to truly get rid of it all, right? So, but no. I mean, yeah, yeah. But so I mean, obviously, in in, in the experiment, in the experiments you compared against Bash, and obviously, kind of the ahead of time version of of, of Bash. But like, what what you mentioned, there's not really much other work in this area. What is the nearest sort of, for lack of a better, better thing, a competitor other than Bash sort of thing? Is there any other sort of research? So, so I think there are a lot of um, recently. There, I, I have been seeing more and more interesting um, uh, research in this topic. So I guess there are three. There are three um, papers by three different groups that I've seen uh, out there that, that look really promising. Um, they're not exactly uh, like um, doing the same thing as what we do, but they're in a similar space of shell research uh, with respect to performance. So one of them is. Um, uh, 
is a paper uh, that was actually published at Houston Trinity C uh, this summer. Uh, it got the best paper award also. Uh, it's called Riker, R-I-K-E-R. Um, and they, what they do is they essentially get automatic uh, um, uh, incremental execution for, for a cell script. And they do it by tracing. So essentially what, they, what you do is you write a, a build script, your build script, for example, um, using just a cell script, not a make file. But then when you run it, it automatically finds all of the dependencies between the different build commands. And then uh, the next time you run it, it only runs what actually changed, what actually needs to be rerun. So it essentially creates the make file in a fine-grained way, uh, automatically by tracing the execution of, of, your, of your script. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Is, is, is that, I mean, we're kind of diverging a little bit here, I guess, but like, does that probably perform better for different types of computation, though, that you want to do? Or yeah, is I, it... I, yeah, I guess, I guess Riker, Riker is, is mostly targeting uh, build scripts and, and, um, and where, where you have a lot of dependencies between commands. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, your commands, usually in build scripts, they don't process their input, um, uh, like in data processing, where they uh, read their input line by line, but they read the mm. whole source file, for example, and then they do right. something with it. Yeah. They, um, so, so, yeah, it's more targeted towards this, um, uh, let's say, um, yeah, build. I, I think I, w- I would call this input output computations, right? Where you have. Oh, okay, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A dependency graph. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's one that's one work that that I found that is extremely interesting. I mean, their work is very dynamic uh, in the sense that there is no uh, concept of uh, um, specifications, so they they, they uh, discover everything at runtime, and so we're actually uh, interested in uh, investigating the synergy of, of uh, Riker with our tool. So if we can actually discover some of these specifications by tracing, that's the idea. Yes, yeah, so I guess my my next question is I'm I'm guessing this this work's publicly available, right? It's on GitHub, yes. Um, yeah, it's under the Bin Bin Pass. Um, that's the organization name B I N P A S H. Cool, cool. We 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 can, we can we can link that. Also, have you found that it's had so found that it's had quite a, a substantial impact? Do you find a lot of people using it, and have you got feedback from people using it? So actually, we have uh, found. Um, uh, uh, that um, when, when we published the SDI paper, we saw that some people tried to use it in some of their big build scripts, though. Um, ah. And uh, and yeah, Pass is not that great with build scripts. So someone tried to run it on the uh, GNU lib uh, uh, build scripts, uh, right. which is like a, a few thousand lines of code. And uh, of course, of course, Pass broke in the beginning. <laughs> uh, but 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 then we fixed these errors and we tried we we ran the script and. Uh, it didn't get benefits because because it was um, it's, it was highly dependent. It was more on this build scripts like uh, uh, area. Um, but yeah, we we saw that people are forking their repository. <laughs> uh, we hope that that, that someone um, uses it. Um, we are actually trying to to also uh, keep an eye out on on people that could potentially use it. And I mean, our hope is we, we keep putting resources in it, and hopefully we will get uh, if we keep uh, per- persisting. Uh, Someone might use it uh, at some point, but but it, it's one of our hopes to keep it um, alive and make sure that we can help anyone that wants to use it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think with with these sort of things, you've got to just kind of stay in the game, right? Be consistent with it and keep it out there, keep spreading it, keep kind of publicize it, and hopefully, yeah, it kind of takes off. How, how easy would it be then? So for for me to say tomorrow to switch it out for or to start using it in my day to day sort of workflow, what's the usability right. aspect like 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 of it? 
So, so uh, I mean, you could, uh, I think, just if you if you are using Bash, because that's why that's where we have the the that's where we can where we can plug in now. I mean, we have not tried to to run it with Zs, for example, or any other shell. But if you're using Bash uh, and you're running your scripts with Bash, you can just uh, directly run your scripts with Bash just by downloading and installing Bash, and it should just run. Uh, that's the theory. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you find the bug, if you do it that you find the bug, please uh, um, send it to us. But uh, yeah, raise a GitHub yeah, issue if we find a find a bug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but but that's but that's like uh, how easy it should be. So you just you just download it and run your script with Bash, and then it would um, we do this compilation, uh, run it with Bash uh, as the underlying interpreter. So yeah, and in there you would get high, you would get uh, equivalence with what Bash would give you. Uh, based on the relation and so on. Yeah. Nice, nice. So I kind of, I guess this the, the next kind of few sets of questions are kind of a, kind of my sort of, a, sort of sort of like stock questions in a way, and I like to see how people's answers to them diverge. So um, first one is sort of what's the most sort of interesting and maybe unexpected lesson that you have learned while working on Pash and maybe on specifically on the on the JIT stuff. Right. Hmm. So so. Yeah, I think I think that the most um, uh, the most interesting, at least, uh, idea that crystallized in my mind while uh, working on this is that if we don't have uh, this uh, loose coupling, as in having a shell-to-shell -shell compiler, uh, and instead if we implement a shell, there there is no way to for anyone to adopt this. So, so I think that that's what really crystallized in my mind while working on this. That um, I, I spent one year. To achieve compliance with Bash, uh, and and still we are delegating all of the execution on Bash. So I cannot even imagine how much time it would take for someone to try to achieve compliance with an existing shell by implementing it. Uh, that would probably be a, a multi-year effort. Um, and so I think uh, what I would, yeah, the, the main idea and the, the 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 most interesting lesson learned, I guess, is that researching the shell uh, for it to be easily adoptable and easy to and not have a huge uh, barrier. For, for for someone to to do it, uh, I think I think everyone should um, should aim for some loose coupling and some form of cell to cell compilation or something in that in that area in that sense so that they can just plug in existing cells and run with them uh, instead of trying to compete with them. And uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest uh, lesson my life. Yeah, that's a really definitely it's a really interesting lesson. So kind of I guess a question that kind of falls out with that is then is when was the last time someone sort of tried to compete with? And an existing shell, like I mean, how often? Did, I mean, obviously, there's, there's there's a whole, there's loads, right? There's like, like you said earlier on, there's well over twenty, right? So, how frequently are new ones sort of cropping up where people are thinking, oh, I can do the full thing better? I, I think it's it's very common, <laughs> and I, I still even now see on GitHub often like, uh, oh, uh, you might like this repo, and it's a new shell, uh, and they all do their own little tricks, their own little uh, interesting features, like some of them handle arrays, some of them have objects. You know, each shell does does something better, but it feels extremely hard to migrate uh, existing uh, all of your existing shell scripts to your new shell. So that's mm -hmm. I think a very very big challenge. Uh, uh, like uh, uh, it's impossible to migrate all of these legacy scripts that we have um, to a new shell if we, do, we don't have compliance. So uh, it's very easy to to make a better shell, um, but then how do you switch to it? There's, there's no plan, I guess. Uh, uh, or it takes many, many, many years. So in the case of Zis, for example, uh, it, it now I think it probably, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it became the default shell in uh, in, uh, in Apple computers. 
this. But but that took I think I think uh, it has been uh, like in existence for I don't know like ten years now, right. uh, maybe even more. And being heavily engineered continuously and you know pushing for its adoption. And it, it has now like it's 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 not it's not even it's not even that everyone has switched from bus to this. But okay, Apple computers run this. But that that took so much time and so much energy. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like even even with databases, right? Like people constantly oh but they think oh i can do it better i'm gonna build my own database right I mean, it's just like everyone thinks they can do it better right in a long weekend normally as well give me a long weekend i can create anything yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like the next case in the comic yeah when, uh, yeah. yeah yeah that's uh, yeah all the standards are wrong cool cool so i guess let's let's talk kind of the journey and uh sort of any sort of war stories you kind of had along the way so these are kind of Quite a sizable implementation of or kind of trying to get compliance right um, was was a was a bit of a battle. It sounded like so kind of from the initial idea of um, for for Pash to to now to to the to the, to the OSDI publication. What were the things that you tried along the way that that um, that failed? And yeah, give us the sort of the war stories and the, talk about that journey from start to finish. Right. Um... Yeah, so I guess this started like um, it was uh, in the in the summer of 2019. That was when we first uh, considered pre-COVID. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was it was a very long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And actually, yeah, it was uh, one of the collaborators in this work, Nikos Vasilakis, uh, who's now a professor at Brown. Uh, he was then a postdoc um, at Penn or, or transitioning to MIT as a postdoc. I think he called me uh, and uh, he told me. I've got this crazy idea. Let's uh, distribute shell scripts. And I was like, this is a super dumb idea. Like, it will never work. Uh, why are you calling me? It was like, it was like late in the evening or something. And yeah, <laughs> and I was like, this is completely ridiculous. Like, it's never going to work. Um, and then, uh, yeah, somehow he, he convinced me that we should try it out at least. And uh, yeah, we, we, in the beginning, so in the beginning, we were like thinking that we would distribute shell scripts. So that was the idea. Um, but actually, the first iteration of this, of the first fast paper, we said, it's a distribution engine for shell scripts. Mm. And uh, it got massacred at some con- I don't remember if it was TLDI 2019, I think, or 2020, And I think it got like a extremely like terrible reviews, like this paper is terrible. Um, yeah, and uh, and then we were like, okay, distribution is hard. Let's just do parallelization for now. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how we, we lowered our expectations. And then we, I think we submitted this paper at um, OSDI 2021. And uh, or 2020, I don't remember. And there we had the, the, the most surreal experience because there were six reviews and four of them were accepts or strong accepts. So like wow. the, not weak accepts, accepts or strong accepts, like the ones that say, oh, we champion this paper. And, and the other two reviews were like uh, rejects, like not weak, rejects. Uh, and, and so there was a very huge dissonance from the reviewer's yeah. perspective. And, uh, uh, two of them said this is complete garbage. This is uh, not published. This is garbage research. And then the four others were it's good. Uh, and then it didn't get in. And we were like super furious because yeah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, and eventually it got in Ulysses, where it also got the best paper award, uh, which was actually funny because uh, yeah. yeah 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 how it turned out. Uh, but yeah, after that after that this work has been going very smoothly. I think after this first uh, one and a half year. Uh, real hard, you know, like um, uh, pushing for it and, and so on. Yeah, like eighteen months of grind, but like worth it in the end, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Cool. So I guess what's next then? So where do you take it from here then? So what else is in the pipeline? Are you, are you going to go down the distribution route now? Distributed version or? I say uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Yes. Yeah, so so we actually um, yeah this we have a conditionally accepted distributed pass at NSDI 2023. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah yeah it's conditionally accepted yet so we have okay. the the confirmation but uh, yeah after four years I guess it will be the distributed version would be published uh, yeah somewhere um, so that's 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 that but then uh, we have uh, a ton of ideas actually and I mean um, I think um, yeah there, there is a lot of uh, interesting synergy that could be investigated with dynamic approaches like Riker. Um there is a lot of work to do on parallelization opt- optimality because currently we just show that we can do parallelization in the shell but uh, we haven't thought at all about how to do it good, well like we just parallelize yeah okay but uh, how much like um, well, there are a lot of parameters parameters that can be tuned heuristics that can be uh, improved so these are these are like some directions and i think for me the the biggest like uh, uh, direction i think the biggest problem that that um, uh, exists at the moment with the shell is is correctness and maintainability so you, we have all of these legacy scripts out there mm. and like the the state of the art i think in uh, i mean i don't think people even test these scripts it's more like they run they, they they run in our workflow so let's not mess with them because they're like these very complex yeah things and um, i think that's that's what where i see like um uh, the most interesting like uh, and more and more maybe moonshotty like uh, research uh, on the shell where it could uh, happen. It, it would be great to see frameworks and tools and affordances for developers uh, that would help them uh, make um, scripts, uh, t- check that their scripts are correct, or maybe hold their hand while implementing a script, uh, not letting them do any any kind of uh, big goof, uh, mm. because you can very easily in the shell like delete your um, uh, home directory and then lose your computer or something. So yeah, um, like some hand-holding, security hand-holding, correctness hand-holding, and maybe even maintainability in the sense of porting old legacy scripts to saner languages or saner like uh, um, uh, um, coding practices or conventions. Uh, so this is this is where I see I see I see the future of, of our research, uh, and I think that we have done all all of these infrastructures we have done now. I guess. Uh, and addressing these challenges that I talked to you about in the, in the beginning, uh, the, the shell challenges and the, the shell characteristics, I think is, is, a, is a vehicle where, where one could build very easily other things on top of it. So the just-in-time framework, the shell-to-shell um, compilation pipeline, and the, the command specifications, all those three combined could, could uh, I think, very easily at least lower the, the, the effort needed to, to do some research on the shell. And there's some other challenges as yeah. There's plenty of very interesting directions there. I'm sure you'll be, that'll keep you busy for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, So, I mean, other than receiving calls late in the evening and with crazy ideas, how else do you like, like go about sort of idea generation and sort of selecting what things to work on? Like what's your process there? I think I'm not that good at it, to be honest, uh, selecting ideas. So I think usually people uh, that I collaborate with come up with the good ideas. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, yeah, the way I pick, I guess, what to work on is, is um, I, wa- I want to have both um, um, know that it's it's potentially impactful, highly impactful, 
uh, and, uh, and understand that the problem is actually relevant uh, and that there is a clear application that people are actually doing at the moment. So that's, that's one big benefit of this shell research that I know that people are writing shell scripts. It's like, uh, this is not, uh, yeah. So, so I think I, I really like problems where, um, and research uh, directions that where the impact is, is clear and practic practical impact is, is clear and visible. So I don't like working on some theoretical thing that maybe in 10 years someone will figure out how to apply. I want uh, the research to be actually applicable. And I guess the other thing, which is more the PL programming languages, like um, the flavor to things is, I, I, I really try to find like um, uh, cute and elegant subsets of the problems that can be described in a, in a cute and clean model. Uh, mm potentially also proving that some things are correct uh, in, the, in this good model. So I guess, yeah, the thing that I like working on are this combination of potentially practically impactful and acute, elegant uh, with respect to the um, models and representations. Yeah. I, I, I guess, I guess kind of my kind of next question I kind of want to ask you is, I mean, maybe, maybe I kind of maybe know the answers already kind of given what we spoke about today, but what, what do you think sort of the biggest challenge in, in, with like shell scripts and with shells in in at the moment, like I mean, maybe something like the the fact that like migrating from one to the other is pretty like challenging. I guess that feels to me like it'd be a big a big sort of one of the big challenges. But what do you think is the sort of biggest challenge out there at the moment? Yeah, I think I think that's right. Porting, maintaining, and, uh, and checking the correctness of shell scripts is like it's it's we are we are we are lagging. Shell scripts are lagging behind other languages mm. with respect to what affordances they have. Uh, on all those topics, like for decades, they are lagging behind decades. So I think that's what we would like to to push, and what I think is a very relevant um, uh, research focus to to try to bring a lot of the knowledge and the affordances that we have in other languages uh, to the shell and actually make them more testable, maintainable, um, uh, better, make it easier to reason about what they will do, what their correctness is, uh, and so on. Yeah. Why do you think it is that it's kind of almost been just left no one's kind of tackled that problem like compared to other programming languages why do you think it's been left to get to like the state is because everyone uses these things every day right like it's it, it feels strange that such a fundamental sort of thing has kind of been left in that sort of state that, that's uh, that's uh, that's true and we were also um uh, uh, not sure about that and, and our hypothesis is that because of this of these challenges that it has uh, its characteristics, which make it great, also these characteristics, right? Because the fact that you can compose black box commands allows you to do very, very succinct, powerful scripts. Uh, but it's also this problem that you don't know what these commands are. So then, how can you develop a principal solution uh, that deals with many of them and that's generalizable? Uh, or uh, the the fact that it's very dynamic. It's great because you can introspect and reflect on the on the state of your file system while you're executing your script. So a for loop. It could, uh, its iterations could depend on what uh, files you have in a specific directory, for example. And that, that's, that's very powerful uh, to, to use as a developer. But then also, if you are a, a, like a programming language, uh, like um, a framework designer or like a systems, systems researcher, you cannot write an analysis for the shell because it's so dynamic. It's like just impossible. So, so, I, so we think that this, these characteristics what ma that make the shell great also make it, make it very hard to actually tackle and do principled, uh, search for principled solutions uh, in this space. And, that, and uh, this is our hypothesis, of course, and it's, uh, um, we're a little bit biased. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, what I, that's what we think was the biggest uh, roadblock. So 
yeah, our hope is that, that we are making a small dent on all these problems, and ideally, um, by building on top of on top of this, we can bring ideas from other languages. We can make the shell a little bit saner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's time for the kind of the last word now. So what's the, the, the one key thing you want the listeners to take away from your work on Pash? Yeah, I guess um, um yeah, research on the shell is possible again, we think. Uh, do more do more of it. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you should not do research on the shell and yeah, uh, uh, if you call to arms. Words, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arms, exactly. yeah and and, uh, and there's, there's also other work, not, not just by us, like this Riker paper, for example, the, there's a, a, an offloading uh, shell, uh, it's called POS by, by uh, a group at Berkeley and Stanford, I think, that came out a few years ago. Um, yeah, I, I think we should, we should do research on the shell. I think it's, it's possible, again, that people should uh, um, consider it again as a, as a relevant. Uh, Place to do research, and I guess um, uh, something more specific is that download pass. <laughs> uh, it's it's very easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's compliant, and, and uh, yeah, uh, you will not break your scripts, and you might get parallelization. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I guess a good message to end things on. So yeah, thank you so much, Constantinos. If if you if the listeners interested in know knowing more about your work, then we'll put obviously all the links for everything in in the show notes, and we will see you all next time for some more awesome computer science research.